Hey, welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number 48. I'm Carly Tizano, a New Year's resolution coach obsessed with all things goal setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year, and to feel supported every day along the way. We're starting to get to the point where I feel like we have touched on so many of the goals that people want to achieve and to work on with all of the amazing people we've been able to have on this podcast. But this is an area that I know we have not touched on yet and one that I know so many people are working on, whether for their own personal reasons, out of a desire to help other people, or because it's something that they believe is gonna bolster their career. Regardless of your intention, I know so many people out there who want to write nonfiction books to share their ideas and research and knowledge and experience with the world. And so I knew that we needed to have a guest on the podcast to talk about writing nonfiction, getting it out there into the world, what that process is like, how to get started, how to stay motivated, all of that. So today we are gonna be talking with Jennifer Locke, And Jennifer Locke is a ghostwriter and author coach who helps entrepreneurs and thought leaders uplevel their brands with a book. Jennifer has been writing fiction since 2011, and she brings this fiction writer's approach to her work with clients. Jennifer has ghostwritten business books that have been published by both business presses and big five publishers. Whether writing fiction or nonfiction, Jennifer lives for stories, bringing stories to life, whether her own or her clients is Jennifer's favorite work. And we talk about the importance of story in today's interview, what role it plays, how to develop it, all of that. And so I'm super excited to dive into this interview with Jennifer Locke. Whether you are a writer or not, I know there's something you can take away from this interview. We talk about owning your expertise, owning your story and your position and all of that, which is something we can all benefit from as we discuss in everything from nonfiction to emails and text messages and everything in between. So without further ado, here is my interview with Jennifer Locke. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming to share on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Carly. I'm excited. Okay. Well, to get started, can you share a little bit about you and everything that led you to where you are today? Yeah. So what I do for my business is I help nonfiction authors write books that combine a certain amount of strategy, thinking about where they want to be in their life and their Mm. business, but also have a great deal of heart. So it's like the pragmatism meets the passion. Mm. And the people I work with have wanted to write a book for a long time but they wanted to be worth their while, so to speak. Right. Like they were like, why, where does this urge come from? What does it mean? It may not make sense, quote unquote, with their business or like with their goals that they've set out. But what I help do is birth those books. And I really like to connect people to the joyful, fun part of writing a book mm-hmm. because it needs to feel like fun if they're going to see it through. And it's possible to have that experience of the joy and the fun when you're writing a book and write a book that's going to be quote unquote strategically beneficial to whatever. I don't necessarily talking about it in such dry ways. There are obviously great benefits to your business that you can experience from writing mm-hmm. a book, but it goes so much deeper than that into like sharing your message with a wide audience and people who can never meet you and packaging your genius and your experience into this book that can reach a wide variety of people. So there's all these reasons to do it. And I help people get those books out. And it's super fun to help ideas that have been churning for a long time actually translate into a book that other people can read. So what led me to this, so I've been writing fiction for 11 years. And I began freelance writing in 2017. And I did a lot of random stuff in the beginning of my freelance writing journey. Lots of blog posts for like 
I don't know, here's why you should put turmeric in your food and uh, like personal injury law, et cetera, mm -hmm. all these random mm -hmm. blog posts and stuff. And I ended up connecting with someone via a Twitter post and then someone wanted thought leadership articles written, ghost written. So we ended up working together. We had a good relationship and this person eventually wanted me to ghostwrite a business book for them and they asked if I had ever done that before and I definitely had not but I had written books before so I figured that I could transfer the skills mm -hmm. and so that's kind of what set me up for what I'm doing today I figured out there's more people who want help with this and this yeah. is my highest value skill that I mm -hmm. can kind of mm -hmm. leverage and see what I can do with it so that's how it got started I love that. So what is it that causes these people who've had an idea in their head for so long about this book that they want to write? What do you see normally with your clients? What is the catalyst for them to decide, yes, I'm ready to write it now. I need your help. I want to get this book out there into the world. Yeah. It's like that point where you're just like the prospect of change or the prospect of doing something scary and making a big leap is more tolerable than mm -hmm. the prospect of you reach Not, that pain point where right. it's like, staying where you are is more painful than taking the leap and venturing mm. into the unknown. And I think people that I work with are at that point. You kind of have to be at that point, or maybe not. I don't want to speak it in too broad terms, but especially for the first book, when you have no clue how to do it and you've never done it before and the whole process is totally overwhelming and scary, there has to be a breaking point where you're like, well, it may that may be true. Mm -hmm. And also I wanted to see what this is all about. So they've reached this point. Maybe they've seen like colleagues write books and be really well received. And they have that like sense of jealousy. That's not a bad thing that that sense of envy that is signifying to them that it's time to write their own book. Sometimes like when I'm, I don't know if you've ever had this experience of reading a book and like just getting really mad, like Oh, this yeah. thing was published and it's like drivel, you know? <laughs> so maybe they've had that experience too, where mm -hmm. they're like, you know, what's this person had the chutzpah to, <laughs> to get their ideas out and write their book. Yeah. I'm, yeah. What's if they did it, me? I can do it. Yeah. And like some of those books are bestsellers. Some true. of the books that aren't so, aren't so good. So they've just finally reached the breaking point where they're like, you know what? I'm ready to do it. I like that way of looking at it too, because I think a lot of times, especially if we're a little nervous, we can be like, well, I'm just too afraid to do it. And that can feel like a really bad thing, but to acknowledge that maybe being afraid is part of the process and sitting with that and being okay with that. And even letting those ideas you have just percolate over that time and to be confident that you are probably going to reach up someday in the future when you decide enough is enough and I am ready to write it. And the fear was just part of the process, helping you to get there. And it's okay to have that too. Yeah, and everybody has it. Even yeah. very established people who've done it for lots and lots of books. That mm -hmm. never really goes away. Yeah, and it's directing you to that that's just a sign that you're taking it seriously, right? Mm -hmm. Like that your message is important, you want to do a good job communicating your thoughts and you want to write something that people will read. So it's not a sign that you shouldn't do it. I think mm -hmm. it's a sign that you're moving in the right direction. Ooh, that's good. And so was it having that opportunity to ghost write that first nonfiction book, especially if you had a background in a lot of fiction that made you go after helping people with nonfiction or was it something else? Yeah. So the fiction, I feel like that's, I've had, may, maybe I'll help people write fiction in the future. I don't know. The underlying thing that connects them is storytelling, right? It's telling a good story that captivates a reader 
They're both really all about voice. Can you hear the narrator's voice in your head? Is it clear? Is it distinctive? Mm -hmm. Can you tell that this person has a point of view? And do you want to spend time with this person for the length of a whole book hearing what they have to say? So I think the two are not so far apart in terms of what makes them both really good and what makes a fiction book and what makes a nonfiction book worth your while. That's a good way of looking at it. So I think a lot of people or a lot of nonfiction authors, they do really well with embodying that narrator persona, conveying the information, putting a little bit of attitude into it. And so I think a lot of people maybe are confident they can do that. Like they can get themselves onto the page. But when it comes to nonfiction, there is that nonfiction side of it where you probably are going to have some amount of data or research. You're presenting yourself as somewhat of an expert on this topic. Mm -hmm. So how much of an expert, quote unquote, do you need to be in order to write a nonfiction book? I think people can let that be a barrier. It's yeah. different than if you were like writing a book on neuroscience, right? right. And if you right. have a PhD in neuroscience <laughs> and you've been collecting research for the past decade, like that's a, that's not yeah. the type then of book. Yeah, then you are an I, expert. Yeah, like you, you've got lots of research already there. That's not the type of book I help people write. I ask people like, what could you talk about for 30 minutes mm. unprompted? And you're always answering questions about this particular topic. People come to you for advice for this and you just like spout it off. And they're like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. you know, it makes light bulbs go off for them. And it's so second nature to you. Mm. I think we can discount that because it's just so innate or it's what we've been doing for the past decade or however long. So like, I think it's safe that this may not be true in every case, but in a lot of cases, we can go ahead and qualify ourselves and claim the expertise that we already have. Mm. And then it's a matter of sharing your point of view. And yes, case studies and data were appropriate to back up and support that point of view, support what you know to be true. That's compelling. Like the more kind of points you have to hang your hat on, and especially the more storytelling that you can, the more that you can utilize storytelling to get your message across, the more it's going to stick in people's brains. Um, but you already know so much more than you give yourself credit for, or authors already know so much more than they give themselves credit for. So there can be a tendency to be like, I got to research the book for a year right. before I can even, you know, people can let that stop them. I think you're right. A lot of the best nonfiction books I've read are when it has enough research that you know the person knows what they're talking about, but most of it is sharing their lived experience with the topic because that's really, I think, what we as humans connect to. But I think you're right that what trips us up most of the time is the data, the numbers, finding the case studies, the other people who have gone out and done the decades of research. Mm -hmm. So how much research time do people normally spend when writing a nonfiction book? Or what have you seen? The way that I like to approach it is to really get a strong outline in place first. And mm -hmm. this is based on the author's expertise. It's based right. on their experiences. It's based on what they want to share. It's based on, so, the, so our reader is coming to this book at, this point and by the time they finish they're going to be at you know this point what is the journey of the reader how are we showcasing that and really figuring out what the book is first and figuring out how we can illustrate that from the author's particular point of view and then it's a matter of where would research support this and research can be like if i work with entrepreneurs who served a whole lot of clients 
client stories can be research it doesn't have to be like a government study or whatever there's not like some there's not like some magical amount of research that's going to yeah. convince the reader like oh they really know what they're talking about that's conveyed more through an authoritative voice sounding you know what you're talking about that you're sure of yourself you're not trying to qualify and hedge your bets and talk out of both sides of your mouth right people get into trouble because they they do tend to they're afraid to express a strong point of view and so i see it a lot people hedge mm. themselves and use qualifiers and that is what is going to make your reader kind of lose faith in the book and in you rather than not having the most perfect research if mm. that makes sense yeah i totally get what you're saying so where do people struggle the most when it comes to writing nonfiction, like getting started in the middle, getting it to the end? <laughs> yeah, I think it is what we're talking about, qualifying mm. themselves okay. and mm -hmm. recognizing mm. that they do have what it takes within them to write and share their story. Like they are already qualified, they can do it. And then really claiming what they know, not feeling like they can own what's their lived experience, their expertise, et cetera, and share that. And that is good enough, essentially. Just really qualifying themselves and giving themselves the permission to share. And when they do that, they're helping people. So that's right. what I remind people of. It's not you being the expert, you being so special and a hotshot, et cetera. It's you sharing what you know because somebody else is going to read it and something's going to click for the mm -hmm. first time and they're going to have these new insights and feel more seen, whatever the case may be. So it's the more we can get out of our own way and just say, all right, already, I'm going to do it. The quicker the distance to actually like changing lives and, and making an impact that the author wants to make, like they want to make that impact. That's why they have that kernel of just desire to write the book in the first place. So is shifting that focus kind of from yourself, like owning who you are and then turning your attention outward, is that the best way for people to kind of get their priorities in line and leave all of that like baggage that we have behind and just get started? Like you, I think so. Instead of trying to think, who am I to share? Who am mm -hmm. I to say this? Think, well, who am I to withhold mm -hmm. what I know? Who needs what they have to share? How can I pretend you're speaking to one person who needs this? And it could even be you like 15 years ago. Mm. Yeah. And just, and getting out of your own way and in adopting that service mindset, I think can really be helpful in removing those blocks. Oh, I bet. So if you've done that, if you have something to say and you're ready to say it, you want to help people with what you know, how do you move from that to putting words on the page? How do you actually start? Yeah. So when I work with people, we usually have an intensive session at the beginning where we talk for one and a half hours or two and a half hours and we brainstorm. We talk about what the reader is experiencing, what is going to compel them to pick up this book, what is their pain point and what is the transformation that the book is offering? Mm -hmm. And we go on the journey of that throughout building the outline and talking about themes and how they build on themselves and in individual mm -hmm. chapters. We talk about here's our some potential ways to start your book, play around with them, see what feels fun. But we just 
generate a whole lot of ideas for what feels natural, what feels like in the person's voice, a natural way to start the book. I have a little like mini course that gives a lot of ideas for um, things like that as well. So basically what I did was I took my whole process for writing books and I divided it into six months, 183 days, I think. Wow. Um, and there's an action item for each day of the six months. So that that gives a lot of ideas in terms of, okay, open up a Google Doc, brainstorm all your right. ideas, <laughs> like very concrete, actionable things that, that people can do mm. to get the juices flowing and kind of bust through some of those blocks that may have been inhibiting them from starting their books. Oh, that's great. I'll link to that in the show notes. Sure, yeah. So cool. It's called Book and Six. It's, yeah. I just celebrated its two-year birthday. I released oh, it two years ago today. Yeah. So. Okay, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. So is that course something that would be good too for people who know they want to write a book but don't know what they want to write the book about? Or is this for people who have an idea? So most people have an idea. Okay. And they don't know what it is exactly. Right. And that is okay. totally a normal place. Nobody ever comes to me with their idea fully formed. They have the rough shape of it. And we mm-hmm. kind of like, it's like Michelangelo. What did he say? Like he had this slab of right. marble. And he's like, I chipped away everything that wasn't the David or whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm Michelangelo, <laughs> but if the shoe fits, no, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. But that's what we do. Like we figure out what it's not in order to zero in on what it is. So yeah, a lot of times people will come to me with one idea and then the day before we meet, they're like, oh my gosh, I really think it should be about something else. And mm-hmm. so we talk about, we don't have to fit it all in one book. We work on finding the idea with the most like passion and energy behind it. And that's the one to develop and add context to. Um, that, because you got to have that sense of fun right. if it's going to sustain you through the whole however many words of your book. So do you have any advice for people who are in that category where they don't have an idea quite yet, but they want to develop something? They know they want to write a book and be a published author, but they haven't had that strike of inspiration yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say make yourself available for it. Make yourself mm-hmm. available for inspiration and There's lots of ways to do that, like building writing habits, and it doesn't have to be anything super formal. I think that even the word writing habit can feel intimidating for people. I'm a big fan of morning pages, and I Mm -hmm. talk about it a lot. I don't know if you've done those, but for people who don't know, it's basically you, first thing in the morning, you just write in your journal, and it's if you don't know what to write about, you write, I don't know what to write about over and over again until something else comes. You can write like your laundry list, you can write whatever, but what ends up happening if you write three or so pages is that you get through like the litany of brain gunk that is like clogging you up and then you start to make way for ideas to come through and that just starts happening. If you do that enough, you'll be able to access some ideas that you didn't even know were there or that you um, can get the chance to develop further. So I'm a big fan of that practice. If anybody wants to kind of build a writing habit and make themselves available for ideas. Yeah. Morning pages are really powerful. And I do want to kind of jump to the other end of the spectrum from like when you're just getting your idea to when you're actually putting it out in the world. So Mm -hmm. what advice do you have when it comes to publishing or advertising or sharing your book with the world once you've actually written it? Yeah. Well, so I focused on the manuscript writing itself and 
I know a lot of people who are experts in the other areas, but something that you can do even when you're writing the book, it's never too early to start talking about your book and mm -hmm. let people in on that you're doing it. Some people that works for it and some people, they can write the book in total isolation and still be stick to it, like still have the wherewithal to write it. Mm -hmm. So you have to know yourself and if that works for you and if it doesn't. But say you're like approaching the end of your book and you've got, you want to launch it in the next three or six months. You can be talking about it as, as often as you can. You are always going to be your book's best marketer. And it's also really like useful to normalize writing a book. Just let people know that you're doing it. I love that idea of normalizing it because I think so many people want to write a book. And I think by sharing it, whether like with your close friends and family or your larger community, and by spreading that message of you can do this, you do have something to say, just like I do, that could open the doors for other people to really follow in your footsteps or be inspired or motivated. And not only to support you then in writing your book, but maybe be inspired to do it themselves too. Yeah. Cause you know, a lot of people say that they want to do it. Like, yes. A lot of people say that they want to do it, but the percentage of people who actually do it is very small. So by you doing that, exactly, you're being that example to other people who have the desire. And I know you love the four tendencies. Like I love the four yeah. tendencies. Uh -huh. So there are some ideas kind of inherent in that framework of why some people might be more inclined to write books and others might be less inclined to. And there's also those structures for each tendency about how they could best write a book if someone in each type wanted to write a book. So what advice would you have for someone in each tendency? who says, yes, I want to write a book and I'm ready to get going. Yeah. So I put this question out to my Instagram followers a, a few months ago, and they actually told me a lot of things that were really interesting mm. and helpful. So I'll talk about the ones that I know, yeah. <laughs> and then I'll lean on the answers that they gave me for the other ones. So I'm an upholder. So upholders are, okay. Yes, yeah, I me too. <laughs> guess, but I didn't want to assume. They're really good at just doing what they say they're going to do. They don't say it unless they're going to do it. So what works really well for me is word count goals. I'm like, mm, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to write 500 words a day, and I'm going to take these days off. And there's some flex with that because life happens, but I have my pace that I want to meet, and I just keep on and keep on until it's done. So... That's an upholder. My husband is an obliger. And so he likes to go running and he most often does it with friends. Like mm. he meets a buddy to go running and then it's more fun for him. So obligers can totally do that. Have an accountability partner, have somebody who's also doing it with them. Set goals for yourself as you, as the two of you write, whatever the structure is, if you're both writing or if it's something different, but you're accountable to somebody else and that mm -hmm. makes it more fun and it makes you more likely to follow through. Rebels, I learned, like to make it a competition with themselves. Ooh, okay. So if you wrote a certain amount last week, can you mm. increase it this week? <laughs> Keep it a competition. And then questioners really need to know their why. And that's something that you have to come back to again and again throughout the long process of writing a book because you can really get in the woods and in the weeds and wonder what you're doing this for. So I would recommend that a questioner come back to their big ultimate vision for what the book is going to, what they hope the book will help them accomplish in their life. 
maybe spend like a couple minutes visualizing that before they have a writing session and mm-hmm. really connect with it and then and then dive into the work for the day. The tendencies all have kind of different motivations. Like they each have their own why. Every person would have their own why. And they're each motivated in a different way. But in general, how can people stay motivated through that process of writing? Like you said, your course kind of walks you through six months. And so writing a book can be kind of a long process. Mm-hmm. How do you yeah. continue your motivation or at least your momentum as you keep keep writing? Yeah. So I think it's really important to establish a practice that works for you Hmm. and to commit to it. And I have three girls. I have a baby who her sleep is not always that great. So I get that life happens. Yeah. And so when I help people, I want to be really sure that they have the space in their schedule. They've carved out the space in their schedule and that they can commit to it because I want people to be successful. I want them to feel that momentum, feel the fun of it. The more you show up for it and the more you keep the practice that works for you, even if it's in little tiny increments, it doesn't have to be some huge overwhelming thing. It could be very small, but you're committed to it and you've found a cadence and a rhythm that works with your schedule. The more you keep that, the easier it becomes. It's just like anything else. Like the yeah. more miles you run, the faster and stronger you get. The more laps you swim, the stronger <laughs> you get. <laughs> so yeah, the more you keep your writing schedule or cadence or whatever, like the more fun it is. And if it's not fun, then you're going to stop. Life is going to get in the way. There's always fun. 40 hundred other things to do We're human and life happens, but you want to be able to access that sense of fun and momentum and where it feels starts to feel less like a slog. And the way to do that is to find a practice that works for you. You can utilize your tendency. You can utilize mm-hmm. your personality, like whatever tricks you have in your magic bag, whatever that, that help you accomplish goals. How could you apply that to this and set yourself up for success? and to experience the fun of it all. Mm, I love that. And not everyone wants to write a book. We'll acknowledge that. I think a lot of people do, maybe even a majority of people do, but not everyone does. So do you have any tips for people who just want to improve their writing or their everyday communication since that's technically nonfiction too? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. Something I always say is to get rid of just from your speech. Don't justify yourself. It's that whole thing where we're afraid to be direct, afraid to say what we mean. So like just checking in, I wondered if you could, you said you would get this to me 12 weeks ago, just check it or whatever. Wanting to, just being afraid to be direct and that when we see people who are very direct, it can even come across as like aggressive sometimes, but it's not, it's just somebody like stating clearly what they mean. So yeah, not qualifying, getting rid of just wherever you can. And some of that same mindset work, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great because it's so true that owning what we have to say, whether it's in the context of a published book or just the email you need to go send right Mm -hmm. now, that's been been that reply in your inbox for six days and you need to get back to that person. Just Uh owning what you have to say, because you are the expert either in your own life or this project you're working on. And that's okay. You can own that. Yeah. Or asking what you need to ask for. Right. Getting the help you need. Apologizing for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to move into the resolution round and talk about goals and goal setting and all of that. And since you're an upholder, 
I assume that you set goals and resolutions, but maybe you don't, but if you Uh do, what's that process like for you? Boy, so it's, I do, but I don't necessarily do it on a particular schedule. So say I, I have to do a lot of prep. We'll talk about it in the context of books, for example, since that's what we're talking about. But if I'm drafting a book and I've done the prep work necessary to get me to the place where I can draft and have some fun, then I'll say, I want to have this finished by July. And then I'll work backwards Mm -hmm. to figure out how much I need to do each month in order to get me there. I've also done the same with money goals. You know, I want to have this amount in the bank by this date because we need to buy a car. I'm having a baby, Mm -hmm. whatever. I need to save up for maternity leave. And then I work backwards to figure out what I need to do each month in order to get that. Yeah. Working backwards is so helpful. Yeah. That's just a simplified, that's a simplified way, but Mm -hmm. I'm not great at, I don't know. I'm not necessarily always, I'm goal oriented, but it has to arise out of a need in Mm. my life. I think that's, I think that's kind of an upholder thing because there's lots of expectations or things that other people are like, you should do this or you should live this way. But for me, like it's all just out there until I'm like, that is something I'm choosing to follow. And then I know I'm going to do it because it's something that I have internalized and want to go after. Yeah. Uh Yeah. So I know and what then you it's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you just, it's as good as done. I know. Uh-huh. Totally. What is the biggest goal or resolution that you set and completed? Yeah, I would say maybe the first time that I wrote a book, like I was 25 and I had no clue what I was doing. Mm, but but you I did was it. like, I'm going to figure this out. Like mm. I, I read books all the time and other people figured it out. Right. So I just kept at it right until I until I had something and was it great no but it taught me how to do it and it taught me so much about the process so I guess I'll say with that because I was going on like a hope and a prayer and I didn't know what I was doing but but you still figured figured it out out. yeah I thought if other people had done it then I could too so Hmm. I'll go with that. And what are you working on now? I'm working on making space for a new idea, which I wish that I had a quicker output for, oh, here's my idea and here we go. But that tends to be like a slow cook process for me. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of like working on making the space for the idea to come in and setting up systems in myself where I can access creative ideas. Well, and that's kind of like your clients, right? Like they're letting their book ideas percolate until they reach Mm -hmm. that point when they're ready to go after them. So you can really relate to them that way. I can. Yeah. And it's painful. It's not so much fun to be in the waiting stage, but I'm like, you can feel their pain. Yeah. It always starts with, but I remind myself like, okay, that always starts this way. You look, you know, like nothing, you have an idea for a character or a setting or something and that's it. And Mm -hmm. then somehow a whole book gets written around that, that one idea. So Mm. it's always like, I've done it before. I know I'll do it again. I want to be doing it right now, but you have to wait a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great belief. Okay. Every week on the podcast, we encourage listeners to resolve to consider something or experiment or take some action. So what would you encourage listeners resolve to do? I would encourage them to try morning pages okay try great. It before yeah try it for a few days see what happens if you want a low if you want an easy way to slip into a writing practice and try it on for size experiment with that and it's so good just for letting kind of all creative ideas come because you do get in the groove of writing through the writing but like you said it really clears out your brain gets all of that stuff that's normally floating around out of there by putting it on the page and so you have more space for all of those creative ideas whether it's writing or something else Yes, 
Definitely. It's kind of amazing to look back at morning pages that I did six years ago and be like, that thing happened. Just like these things that helped me access what I wanted for my life and mm -hmm. stuff that felt really out of reach at the time that has since happened. So yeah, it's totally a unique, worthwhile exercise, not just for the purpose of writing, for the purpose of living a more creative life. Okay. And then we have some confetti questions, which are just for fun. So we can get to know you a little bit better. Okay. The first is what time do you get up? I love to wake up early in the five o'clock hour. Wow. If the baby has not woken me up in the yeah. night. <laughs> <laughs> totally understand. When do you do your best work? Definitely in the morning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite time. That's my me time. Yeah. I like nice that. and quiet. Yeah. Yeah, if I can get a good chunk of writing done in the early morning hours, then the rest of the day just works better. I'm happier. Everything else seems to go better. What is the best piece of advice you've been given? I don't know if it's a piece of advice that someone gave me or something I just heard and have since internalized, but uh -huh. I really love you can't fail if you don't quit. Yeah, it's true. Everything is just, everything is an experiment. Everything is play. We're not doing heart surgery, so nothing is life or death. Yeah. Try to have fun with it. Try to experiment with writing or business or whatever it may be. And you can't fail if you don't quit. Just, it has, right. you may have to change yeah. you, as you go along, but just keep going. Well, in one word at a time, you're going to write a book. Even if you wrote one right. word a day, eventually it yeah. would get done. <laughs> exactly. Uh huh. What do you do to rest? I read a lot. What's your favorite beverage? Coffee, mm -hmm. black coffee. Right. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Favorite TV show? Okay, favorite TV show. Never have I ever. Ooh. Have you ever watched that? It's Mindy Kaling wrote it. And oh, I haven't. I've heard about it though. It's good. I think the new season starts in August. And I just finished the second season of Hacks on HBO. I've heard good things about that one too. Okay. That was, it was really good. The ending was excellent. So I, yeah, I'm not so big on TV, but we'll do like little 10 episodes stuff right. as it comes out. I got into Ted Lasso like everybody else. I enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> it's all time favorite. It's hard to answer. Right. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's fun to stay on top because it, it's, especially because it becomes such a part of the relevant cultural conversation. Yeah. Uh -huh. What book has had the greatest impact on your life? I will say The Artist Way Okay. by Julie yeah. Cameron, which mm -hmm. is, that's the book that, how often can I talk about morning pages in one interview? But that's the book that introduced me to morning pages. And then I also read a book a couple years after that was called The Energy of Money. Mm. And it was written in like the early 90s or something. But it's billed as the artist way, but for money. Ooh, okay. Um, so those were both very mindset expanding books that I yeah. come back to when I need them. I love that. And it's two very different topics, but I can totally see how you could have the same approach to both. Yeah. Mm. Uh -huh. What book are you currently reading? So I just started, it's called All In, and it's an autobiography of Billie Jean King. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm in, I'm about 45 pages in and I'm really enjoying it so mm. far. Oh, she's, cool. she's pretty great. And what is a win that you're currently celebrating that we can toast with you? Well, I just swam a mile for the first time. In, awesome. For the first time in five years the other day. So that was fun. I like to set new achieving a new yeah. old challenge kind of opens up like other portals to 
other things that you you start to see other possibilities when you do that. So I did that the other day and that was fun. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm getting back into swimming this year too. So I can relate to and like Uh vicariously enjoy that. (laughs) that Yeah. Yeah, where can people go to find out more information about you and your work and all the amazing things you're doing? Yeah, they can go to jenniferlockwrites.com, L-O-C-K-E. They can also find me on Instagram and LinkedIn. And if they wanted to check out that little mini course I mentioned, that's book in six, book I-N-S-I-X as in six months, book in six at jenniferlockwrites.com. Perfect. That's so cool. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming to share about writing and writing books and writing nonfiction on the podcast today. And so many great helpful mindset tips for all of us, regardless of whether we're writing nonfiction or not. It's been so helpful. And I've just loved having you on to come and share about all of that. Thank you, Carly. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me. And that's a wrap on my interview with Jennifer Locke. I hope that you will take something very powerful away from this interview today. Jennifer made so many great points. We talked about so many important mindset shifts that are vital, not only when you're writing a book, but I think just living our everyday life, especially as we strive to grow and pursue new things and share our ideas with the world and make a difference. And so many of us, I know, want to help other people, especially if they're a couple steps behind us on their journey. And we can do that, whether through our own personal relationship with them, or we can help even more people by sharing our experiences through a written book. It was so fun to see so many aspects of my own experience writing my book over the last couple years reflected in this interview today. I'll be talking about that on the podcast before too long when my book is released. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, I encourage you to embrace everything that Jennifer had to share, whether you are experimenting with morning pages for the first time, whether you are going to go take the four tendencies quiz, because you're not entirely sure what we were talking about in that segment of this interview, or you are ready to start making a writing schedule for getting those words on paper so you can get your book and ideas out there. I am so excited for you and I hope to read your words in the world sometime soon. And with that, thanks for tuning into the Resolve Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Tisano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show. And subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlydesano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.